0: Coming on the Agony Column podcast, Guo Lu has just published her first novel written in English.
1: The first degree feeling, the anger, the joy and the love, the pain you tasted in the first second, and that is genuine. I need to find a way you know, to put that in the book. I need to re-grasp those moments, those you know, shocking moments, those fresh moments, those confusing moments uh,
0: when she just arrived. Coming on the Agony Column podcast, you're listening to Rick Kleffel, The Agony Column Podcast. You can find additional reviews, interviews, print interviews, and book commentary five days a week at trashotron.com agony.
1: Misunderstanding, fail to understand properly. That's how all start, from a misunderstanding. When you say guest, I think you're meaning I can stay in your house. A week later, I move out from my Chinese landlord.
0: Guo Zha-lu is a filmmaker and writer who was born in a southern province of China. After graduating from the Beijing Film Academy, she wrote books published in China. Since 2002, she's been dividing her time between London and Beijing, Her award-winning film documentaries include The Concrete Revolution. Her first feature film, How Is Your Fish Today, was screened at Sundance and won the Grand Jury Prize at the 2007 International Women's Film Festival. A concise Chinese-English dictionary for lovers, shortlisted for the 2007 Orange Prize, is her third novel and her first novel written in English. Thank you for joining me, Shualu. Hello. This is a fascinating novel, and one of the, its great appeal is its setup. You, you've set this up with very short chapters that mirror a dictionary. Tell us a little bit about why you did that.
1: Well, the idea is to write a novel with each new term the character learned. So it's like a dictionary. So I think. Each section should combine with a story, but the meaning of that term, that vocabulary. So that demands a whole form has to be, it's like a song or a music, you know, it's, it's a device. So the, the resume has to be like that, little short section, like vocabulary.
0: One thing that, that I really liked in this novel was the the shifting way uh, the shifting language of, of the narrator, uh, it, it gets better and better. And what this does is put language itself as at the center of the novel and, and to a certain extent as a plot point. What made you decide to make language part of the plot of your novel?
1: The central characters, one is Chinese, quite naive Chinese young woman. And another one is is kind of tired from Western civilization, a kind of hippie character from England. I think in front of this relationship you see the cultural difference, but I think I need to find a way, you know, a device to talk about this difference of their background. So the language is, is the first thing I need to sort out. So the men speak English, the women speak Chinese, all oh, Chinese kind of English. And behind that is each other's history and their understanding of their own culture and their other culture. For me, the language is the first thing, and the language is a central character between the man and the woman. And the language actually is the first character for the whole book. So it's, so in a way, I think they they have fight, these two characters have fight because the, the understanding of each other's cultures. But I would say, you know, that the language itself is a war, is a battle between them, and it's identity battle between them.
0: It's interesting the way the language defines each character and fascinating choice that you made to leave the main male character nameless and leave the main female character, Zhuang, essentially nameless through most of the narrative, which is telling in a novel about language that the main characters don't really have names.
1: Mm, I think if I could, if I I could do another draft, I would take the Z as a name. I would, you know, the whole novel should be she and him, but... It's a technical thing for a writer, you know, how you need to call your character for, for technical reason in, in a book, especially in the dialogue and in, in the narration. Um, but I think the reason I want to kind of make them almost nameless, anonymous, because I think actually they are one person. They represent a person's two, two sides and two personalities. Um, I think that sometimes they exchange their identity during the book, in the middle part of book, the woman learned so many vocabularies in England, so she take over his language, and the man kind of lost his language. So the man became speechless in the in the later part of the book, and that's my idea. I think it's about how a person try to gain that language to express themselves, so also at the same time losing losing their language ability or losing the ability to express to the society.
0: This book is is quite a bit about art as well. Your main male character is an artist, and, and he has an interesting approach to his art. He makes what what the the woman calls ugly art.
1: I think there is something about the modern the modern art world. or um, after say after Andy Warhol, the whole art world. I think for a, a traditional young Chinese character, although she's young, through her eyes, um, she has this traditional value about, you know, art is, is about beauty or the, the the beauty of the the, the nature, or the beauty of the, the some value. But then for a postmodern artist, somehow they, they search for the the opposite side, you know, the, the ugliness or the the blankness of life, or the awkwardness of the modern life, the uncomfortable side of of the art and the life. So for her, it's very difficult to understand that. So there's some sections about this young woman talk about those rubbish market, a second-hand market, and about this her man wear all these second-hand leather jacket, second-hand shoes, and in the end she says, "You look great in those second-hand rubbish clothes." So it's it's, it's I think it's about value, how you value your history, how do you value you know, the modern modern society, and how do you look at the supermarket culture? How do you value all these materials inside of your life? And that outlay kind of affect the way of making art, especially the man is artist in the book.
0: It's interesting as well, the way that the main character, the woman, she really Toes the party line for for Chinese. She believes in the collectivism. She really believes in the, in the communist ideals, and, the, and I find this kind of surprising.
1: It's not unusual. Um, even you take out if you don't discuss as a character. If you do, if you discuss as a real person beyond this novel. I mean, I, I do think it's rather kind of typical. A, a, a young person from China, from the countryside, grow up in the countryside, even though even they can speak a bit in English or foreign language, because they grow up still in, in rather socialism or com- communism kind of atmosphere. When you were a teenage, you got education in, in a school about your own history and about how communism beaten up. Uh, the nationalism um, during the 40s and how they fight with Japanese and how China come come into nowadays China after Chairman Mao. In your in your inside of your mind, you, you 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 are half shaped or fully shaped the idea how the world is made in China, and you do you do have this sensibility. You know you do believe in what you got or the how the country got so far, and you do believe that positive side, because you do see, you know, your parents not that poor anymore, and they can brought you to some good school, you know, you, you, you in your house, you do have a computer, you, you do have TV, all this kind of stuff. So for a, for a young person from village and the countryside, she still believes in that kind of value. And there's a clash when she came to the West, this capitalism system, demand her to to rethink to readjust, read to re-educate herself, the view on the world, and then eventually look back to China now. So I think for an artwork, I think for a novel or film, you know, I think as also you you don't need to, to give the conclusion or explain, but you do need to show the whole process and even show the confusions. And I think as also I do have lots of problems and a confusing um, point about my society, where I came from as Chinese, and the Western society, which I do live now for the last five years. And I think those kind of great confusion is is important to discuss, and, uh, well, novel is a form.
0: This is your first novel written in English, and I wonder if you talk, if you can think back to the time you wrote your first novel in Chinese and compare the process of writing a novel in Chinese and writing a novel in English for the very first time?
1: Mm. That's quite an interesting and a difficult question because um, I um, um, I started very young. I started writing poetry when I was 14, and, and I did pub- publish it when I was 14. So as a published author, although I'm, I'm not that old, but I still have kind of, you know, 20 years of, of history, writing and publication. But I wrote my first novel um, when I was 19 in a college when I was a film student. And now we are trans- we translated this young novel I wrote, the first novel, and it's going to come out in January 2008. I look at that novel, which is called 20 Fragments of Ravinos Youth, and about a young woman character in Beijing fighting with the city of Beijing, fighting with the system, trying to, to hear her own voice of her youth. So it's rather, the, the, the language is quite violent and very young, very energetic, but um, I can see a young author how despised and really looking down of the narrative force, looking down of the drama, looking down of the character building up, looking down of the storytelling, I see myself... Was such impulsive and a physical young writer during that time, and I see an angry me, and you know, a younger and angry me when I wrote that first novel. And um, now, after those years, I wrote this concise Chinese-English dictionary for lovers, which I think I used more of research. And I used more of my brain rather than completely use a heart to write. Because I think when you're a young author, you use your physical experience and your heart to write a book. And you somehow, you don't respect much of all these rules or say that the rule of storytelling. And now I think it's kind of crucial and important if you want to become a serious or mature novelist. Because there's, there's a demand for your story there's demand from the readers to understand you without um have too much compromise with the audience or with the readers. I do see this process is amazingly important, you know, as author and I think what's what's important is I don't lose the young angry me inside of me. That's I think that's a that's a false. So see I, I only can explain the whole process. I cannot see or analyze in the, in a the very clear way you know, about my own work.
0: You came to London five years ago. Y- you didn't know very much of the English language then. What made you think that you could write a novel in English?
1: Actually, that wasn't a big decision because when I came here five years ago, so I left to China first time, everything was very... Say exciting or very fresh for me, but I think my identity was—it's—it's it's a habit. You—you know—a habit. A person write a book if you write more than fifteen years. Somehow your living, your identity is—is is to write a story. So when I came here, the first six months, I was just automatically collecting all the vocabularies, all the funny phenomena I met in my daily life, and I thought that's very natural. You know, that—that would be the base of my new book. And then one day I decide the broken English should be the force uh, or the device of that new novel. And then I decide, okay, that's a dictionary novel. It's going to be dictionary form. And with each term, each vocabulary, the character learned every day. So the whole decision was very kind of natural for me because it was parallel from my own personal life. See, so I developed from that.
0: As you wrote this novel you were presumably learning the English language even more, and yet you had to go back and try to emulate your less skilled self. Could you talk about that process, especially, again, this being your, your first novel in English? Could you talk about revising a, and polishing your, your prose?
1: Yes. It's funny, I think most of the time, my, my other work, I spend a lot of time on the middle part and ending part because... Normally, my experience writing the novel is you need to develop um, your character, push the character and the story as you write. So I spend, you know, normally I spend most of the time on ending and the middle part. But with this novel, I think I'm, I spend most of my time polishing the beginning bit. Because as my English goes along, my character becomes mature, and which is very parallel, comfortable you know, during my writing because as my days in England moves, I understand more and more what I'm doing and what I'm writing but then eventually I need to go back to the younger her, the younger character when she just arrived. I need to re-grasp those moments, those shocking moments, those fresh moments, those confusing moments uh, when she just arrived. So I need to search back her first reaction, which was messed up in, in me, because because you do grow older and you you kind of you kind of forget those first feeling and impression. So I spent kind kind of like another year just rewrite the first part of the novel, you know, say like the first 20, 20 pages, to set up the broken English in a certain way. Say you know I decided to use the present tense, but by adding R-N-G in a sentence. Because for a Chinese person, we don't have clear tense in the Chinese sentence. So everything we speak in the present tense, when we want to speak the past or the future, we will, we need to add the time first in front of the sentence. So we need to say, last year, in the evening, 9 o'clock, I ate something. But we don't have verb change. You know, We don't have this kind of change of the same word. So what I, what I need to, to, to do during writing is I need to find the broken English has its own system, which is Chinese system, but being expressed in the English. So I did this, I use RNG and I use present tense, but I need to make it more understandable or very simple, very sharp, short sentences. And as novel goes along, from the middle part of the novel the sentence grow much more complex and the tense you know gains the tense start to have a past tense and there's a future tense and also the character understand use use i or me the difference of between i and me and the difference between um, say um, she does i do this kind of different verbal change. So see, that, that that's a big job actually for me to do um, since I'm a beginner for the language. And I guess, you know, that um, you do need to pay great attention on linguistic side rather than the storytelling side. So for me, it's a wonderful experience, you know, how to, to pay attention on both sides as a writer. And I do, I think I learned um, so much about writing a novel.
0: One thing that fascinates me is the difference at, at the very core between the Chinese language and the English language. Chinese language, as I understand it, and I may, maybe you can correct me here, is a series of, is there are thousands and thousands of, of characters that essentially are equivalent to whole words of English. In English, we have 26 characters that mean nothing by themselves and are grouped together in words. So the the process of composition must be very, very different.
1: Mm. I think because when you write a Chinese character, um, you can picturize that object you are writing. You know, if you write about moon, if you write down a word moon, in Chinese is yue, and then you see the moon, the shape in your writing. And then I think that shapes Chinese sensibility, which somehow during the, you know, iman- very imaginative or picturized a kind of personality Sometimes it's, it's quite difficult you, if you try to express something in, in English, you need to be very sharp to find the words and, and the, 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 the feeling to represent that kind of very obscure emotion you try to represent. But in Chinese language, they, it's, it's, it's both sometimes very obscure, but also very detailed with the writing. So I think that's, that's a difficulty for me um, to write with a new language, especially in, in this English language. I do found it's a it, it, complete different brain and in a way I need to kind of wash out the Chinese sensibility by by replacing the whole English sensibility to and then I can go back to my Chinese sensibility to re- revise that novel. So now I'm going to very um, abstract discussion again.
0: One thing that's interesting is the way that language is our way of defining ourselves. And this is the novel where that's, again, it's a plot point. And it's fascinating to watch this happen. And there's some really great portions where at one point uh, the character makes kind of a joke about my English patient. And we know when she makes this little joke aside that that represents a quantum leap in her understanding of language, and also in her understanding of herself as a person. Because a- after this, she says, is this how English people speak? I must be English now.
1: Mm. Um, I think it's kind of two things. Perhaps one is cultural reference. Another thing is to use those kind of cultural reference or cultural symbols to to identify your life, or identify what kind of life or what kind of country you are living as a foreigner. So English patient is, is cultural reference, and it's a symbol. Say, if I write free word, that's cultural reference. For a Chinese, when you study free word, that two vocabulary, you don't know actually it's something to do with communism or American thoughts about communism. But, but when you study more of free word, in, in, in the middle of the context, then you understand that, that links to communism or those ideas. But it's, it's unspoken, you know, you, 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 you cannot speak about that. And it, But it will be very rich in the, in the novel and you, without you discussing it. And I, I discovered that. So I used those, I choose those term like dilemma or free word or discord. Those kind of symbolic word to represent As a naive character, she is slightly or subtly being watched or being media-influenced, and those vocabulary actually much contains a conspiracy behind those those vocabularies, and there's a big kind of social issue behind those words she's learning. And again, I have to use those cultural symbols and a reference to push the novel go ahead, actually.
0: Part of the, the Chinese culture, at least as we're told in the novel, is uh, uh, self-censorship and self-censorship. I'm wondering if you, as a writer accustomed to writing Chinese novels in China, uh, experienced any self-censorship, especially given that there's some some fairly uh, uh, graphic scenes and sex in, in, in this novel. It's a, it's a love story. Could you mm. talk a little bit about encountering a censorship in yourself and maybe outside of yourself.
1: Yeah, I think you know censorship is is really um, important, a big discussion, um, especially you from the east or from you know place like China. It's obvious, but censorship in in a different uh, shape. I think you know the self censorship is profound as a Chinese also, and I don't think anyone like to admit that. I think we should be very frank. Every also whether you're from Japan or China or from England or France, actually there's a great deal about self-censorship because even if you don't have tight political censorship, you have the moral self-censorship during the writing as, as a writer. Whatever you are fiction or non-fiction writer, when you write about love or sex, when you write about family discord, there's a moral issue in, in your writing. Even you are anarchist. And it's great self-challenging. As artist, and you need to deal with this issue because you cannot pretend you are completely, you know, living in a utopia. You can you can just beyond those issues because because they are they are the problems in your daily life. And and I for me in my little case, I have political censorship issue, self censorship as well, but also the moral censorship. But I think um, I live as artist, and I think that's that's how I live. I constantly annoy lots of people around my life, and I constantly write about those people I know, even they are they are alive, and I constantly write about the society I have learned, the society which might doesn't like my work, but 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 I need to be true to myself. So now I'm I'm going bit big, but I want to say. In this book, there's a great kind of uh, amount about sex, and a young character try to discover her sexuality and somehow try to release her suppression from her education and her past in China. And that's, that's very important for the character. As important as her language development, uh, her discovery towards the world, um, and her love, I think they're equally important the sexual bit. Um so um when I when I wrote this somehow I do write beyond the censorship issue because I decided <clears throat> those self discovery on sex, on love, on language is, is a major issue for this book Then I have to be bored, to be brave, you know, to, to, to write about it. And I think they are in the front of the book. Uh, so so the whole writing is very much, I would just say, very much natural, as if I'm writing a diary. And I do face I do face those moral issues during the writing, but really, I don't really give a, a big deal about it. Eventually, I live as a writer, really.
0: There's some, as this character, as her sexuality awakens, there's some really kind of surprising scenes and, and a of the scene where she goes to a peep show. Could you talk about writing that and including that sort of scene, which is, it's interesting because our inclination to, of, is to, to see these things as somewhat sordid and, and, and distressing. Yet for her, it is truly an awakening. And you cast it in a very interesting light.
1: Well, I think first I need to um, shape an innocent character. A character cannot define the industrial sex and the natural sex. And again, it's very funny, you know, how do you define sex? It has to be in the, in the content. But the industrial sex, which I described in the book, is, is beep show um sex. And I think which is very funny for a character from communism regime or oh, from any you know, uh, tabooed society because the suppression was so large, so big, and um, so profound. So the curiosity about those tabooed issue grows so big. For example, we don't grow up, uh, we cannot grow up going to the little shop, the supermarket, and then you will see those uh, porn magazines on, you know, on, uh, along with the bread or croissant or salad. But in England, for example, you do, you do, you know, you see the porn magazine there and you buy your own salad. For me, it's, when I came here, I thought that's quite phenomenal. And I know, again, maybe I'm being a little peasant without seeing that before. For American, I guess it's not shocking at all. When, you know, when a character innocent and like that, uh, she confused the industry sex with her own desire. So you might be actually stimulated from all this industry commercial sex, and then eventually, truly look at yourself, your own body. Try to find a conversation between your body and those industrial sex. I know, again, this is quite complicated and confusing subject for me to discuss now here. But I think I, I, I really want to shape that character, cannot define the difference. And eventually, the, 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 final, the final thing is she has to look at her own sexuality through a mirror which is a mirror is blurred because it's industrialized. But sometimes you do do live in this completely artificial, industrialized society. For example, what is love? The love you see is on the commercial, in the TV. It's a man buying a champagne or a man buying a beautiful jewelry and then a woman is laughing and kissing the man in the commercial TV. So you see the media, how the media effect your natural you, the natural inside, the interior world. And the interior world tried to copy the industry um, world and tried to mess up, and it kind of completely messed up your own true feeling and the commercial, industry feeling. And they grow together, and they become one thing in the end you cannot separate or define. So I did the effort, I made effort, let the character going through those, those process and eventually looking back at herself.
0: There's a scene in here where she gets an abortion, and, and I understand that they didn't want to run that in the U.S. edition.
1: No, um, now it's it's there. It's there.
0: It's there. Mm. But they, but uh, they originally thought that when they didn't want it.
1: Mm. Um, yeah, but it's there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean.
0: <laughs> this is the triumph of the writer.
1: I think it's crucial for the book, though. Oh yes. Um, I think youth—you do need to pay the price for the youth and for searching of the youth, which is absurd and cruel. You know, for a young person, um, when you talk about the youth, how youth is exciting and sexy and fresh and beautiful, and you do see at the same time, you know, those those dark story behind the youth, the the the, the, the early age abortion, oh, the early age pregnant, oh all those kind of dark story behind those kind of sexy, fresh youth. And I think they they existed completely um, at the same time. So any young person, they they paid great price for searching their youth, I think. And I think, you know, for example, the abortion bit, um, it's very um, representative for that character.
0: This novel is by definition, to a certain extent, a a travelogue because the main character's... Is in a foreign country, and, and she then goes on a, a a trip through through Europe. One thing you do throughout this book, and I think it's really fascinating, is you marry language and landscape. Talk about why you join those two and how you join those two.
1: Mm. First, the thing. Well, the, the most important thing for a writer is language. And then on the second degree, you will say, okay, which language you use, um, your, your local dialect language or the national language or English language or Chinese language. Um, and then where the story is set. Um, oh, for other writers they might think, okay, who is our character? But in my case, it doesn't matter who is a character. What matters is which landscape that person would live, which cafe that person will drink. And then the story comes after that. That's how the way I wrote, if um, I'm not typical at all. but So all my writing, all my novel was done um, in a particular landscape. For example, my early novel called The Village of Stone, the whole idea is to write a a cruel, a cold, a violent um, little village, a little fishing village, and then there, there's a young girl growing up there, trying to find her, her existence in this kind of big time fool in the seaside little village. So with this dictionary novel, the English landscape in England, or rather say the London, London landscape, the social landscape of London, it's it's, it's a central point. And, and I need to write about Hackney Road, in London, in East London. I need to write about Soho in London. And I need to be very precise to write which cafe they drink, which restaurant they go. Um, and I also need to write about the, the, the clouds, the weather in England, and the comparison the weather and the clouds in Wales. Uh, Perhaps, you know, for American or Chinese, there might be the same weather, the same crowds, but but I need to be very, very specific about that. And then the character would live in a specific way or being suppressed by that weather or landscape or or being influenced by the green garden everywhere in the English countryside. I think landscape gives you the... I think taste is too little word. Um, give you the strength, the force, the reason to write a novel. And I guess I see myself a novelist who is kind of on the road, but not on the road in a physical sense, like uh, like a Jericho rock, But on the road in the in the interior sense. I think when you live in China, or when you live in in San Francisco, or when you live in London the culture come to, to get you, to grab you, and make you have ideas, or, or you've been stimulated by that specific landscape and culture. And then your character gains specific voice and a, and a shape and wears specific clothes in that landscape. So that that's really um, the way I write, and also the way I make film, I think. One,
0: one thing that interested me in this book was the the poetry? Uh, there's a, a part where uh, your character is reading Walt Whitman, uh, a poem that challenges many English majors, and, and she gets it intuitively. A- and as readers, we understand why she gets it intuitively.
1: Um, well, that I cannot say it. I cannot answer it mechanically because it depends. You know, what kind of writer you you are, or what kind of writing you aim. And I think that's really in, inside of me my goal. You know, I think if I if I can choose, I prefer to be a poet than a novelist or than a filmmaker. But then you grow more ambitious. You want to tell a more complex story, then I become a novelist. But inside of me... You know, if I could live, I, I think it's a wonderful life. You just write poetry. And poetry demands something like five lines or 20 lines. And each line, like, you know, something like 10 words or five words. And you've done the job. And it's very... Um, it's less physical and more interior. And then you look at the clouds. You look at the world, You look at the people's face. And you write very few words. And that's a perfect existence, existence as a writer. But now I think... So I have this sensibility, I want, you know, I, I want write my book as a poem, as a poetry, whether they are novel or, or, or they are film. But then in this chaotic society in these days, a writer become much more journalistic-like, you know, kind of more journalism involved because you, you've been banned every day by this big news about war, you know, about whatever about whatever kind of injustice or all this tragedy, daily tragedy you heard from the media, newspaper, or the the inner tragedy you face about your your daily existence and then you you grow much more angry or or your inside of you grow much noisier than you are. So you try to find a form, you know, for in my case it's documentary or novel to to write a great deal about what's going on inside your heart because you confront this chaotic society so i think poetry is not satisfying um, in some way um, in my case because i have ambitious wants to 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 poetry, a a more kind of complex or complete uh, word um, i want to do but you know you talk about poetry and the poetic language that's really i guess you know a writer's style a writer's um, try to go. but on the other hand I do enjoy lots of kind of very kind of blank very simple writing you know from other authors. For example, I like to read these kind of detective novels from this Je- Belgian um, French language writer um, Georges Semanon. I mean in his writing you know I wouldn't say so poetic but it's wonderfully simple. Um, you can understand you know in one night you can finish a book. And I love that directness um, and the simpleness and the, the 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 plots he tried to deliver. So um, we will see. Maybe one day I'm going to write a very simple detective novel. Let's wait.
0: One thing that distinguishes this novel is the sense of humor, uh, and there's a difference between the Chinese sense of humor and the you know Western sense of humor. I wonder if you could talk about writing a. Your first novel in English, and trying to determine and detect what precisely is humorous in this culture, and what is humorous in the culture you come from.
1: For me, I think humor is uh, somehow a civilization, you know, a civilized concept. When the peasants talking about all these funny things, somehow they use jokes, and they do. You know, they, you can say they have a humor sensibility, but. But that's that's how I see the difference between joke and humor. Um, and a hu- with humor, you need to detach yourself from the subject. So you can joke about your, your failed sex from last night. And for me, that's humor. And a joke is something you don't detach much. You're very emotionally involved. So that's why I think in this book, I try to kind of imitate the English humor... Oh, I try to understand the English humor, you know, how it works, which is so famous for, for everyone to, uh, as a foreigner. Um, and I do find, you know, you need to learn how to detach yourself from the things you want to joke about. Um, the culture where I came from, I'm a, I'm a village person I'm from a very remote countryside in the south, south, uh, southeast China. And for us, when we joke about something, um, you are inside of a story. And you laugh because of the directness, the direct um, absurdity, rather than the, the indirect absurdity. So this is, gets very academic discussion, but um, it's, it's quite crucial for me to, to use for this novel. I do need to use this Western humour. So when a character makes a mistake in this book because her language was so naive, then I need to write about the, the counterpart, the Englishman, how he understands her language or her joke, and that will become something like humour. So really, I was kind of trying to find out a way to, to, to write that humour you know, in a book. And I, well, I received some emails from the readers and they said, it's a very funny book. Um, and I always wonder um, quietly, is that a real humour or it's a joke? It's it's all—they are kind of as a form of a joke, and they become quite funny. So, you know, um, it's—it's difficult to define, but who wants to define? You know, for the god's sake, um, as long as they are funny, anyway.
0: You're a filmmaker and a a writer as well. Presumably, the writing informs the filmmaking because you generally want to write a film before you go out and film it. Does the filmmaking ever inform the writing?
1: Um, not on the writings, not literally. Um, I think, and you know, I think a person should be very clear. Film is is a visual narrative. Um, although you know, it, it demands literature, uh, music, and sound, everything. But again, it's it's independent form. It's called cinema art. So um, sometimes I intend to make a film very literary. With voiceover, with text, with writing, you know, directly in front of the image. So recently, I'm doing a film with lots of text inside of the film, which makes the film look like a novel, like a book. For some sophisticated cinema filmmaker, they will think that's too literature. But again, you know, who who is a boss uh, for cinema? I think no one. And I think what is genuine is, is you as an author. Um, try to express your own way through an art form. But I try to really, you know, separate these two things. Um, for example, a Conscience Chinese English Dictionary for Lovers has been, um, I think we are discussing the, the film rights. Some filmmakers try to make it into film very soon. And I really am happy to completely step back, completely to, to give this you know, give this rights to, to the filmmakers, allow them to make it, I really don't want to involve in. Because I, I do think, I never think I could make film from my, my novels. I cannot, I cannot see the two things can, can do in one go. I guess because I use so much energy on one form, say, with this novel I used my four years completely, the end night, four years, emotion and energy. For the novel form, I cannot picture myself to do film again with different energy. And I think it's something about royalty of, to myself. So I want to keep that pure and royal to my, to my four years ago, you know, that energy. But in terms of living you know, as an artist, it's, it's, I think for me it's quite healthy to do film from time to time in between the novel writing. I, I think a writer needs to learn things, say real life. Of course, I admire adore those writers like Argentina writer Borges, who living inside of the library and wrote all her, all his books in the library. But uh, I don't think myself is academic writer and I write about real life and I do need to be soaked in a real life or in the street life, in the society. and I found myself kind of you know in tune with the society or I do learn from life. otherwise I think, the the isolation is meaningless. So, so I want to live in the true life. And I think through filmmaking, I do listen and see and confront lots of problems in another form. So I, I need to do both, really.
0: This novel it, it is based at least somewhat on your own notes when you first came to London. Tell us a little bit about Autobiographical f- fiction and how you turn that into how you turn your life into fiction and why you do that.
1: Mm. Um, I think I was always being interviewed or asked a question: how much the books based on my real life, and uh, which is quite funny question for any author or novelist to answer because somehow I guess it's it's old-fashioned way. To question also because in the if in the modern in the modern days you wouldn't question a songwriter you wouldn't ask Beatles or Leonard Cohen ask them hey how much real in your lyrics you sing that song and I think you know this question being often asked to to the authors um, I think people do need to adjust you know the, <laughs> the as artist, you, you need to find a way to transform your real life into a form, uh, whether it's very much fiction-based or documentary-based. Um, and I think a good artist really should... Uh, I think you need to really find a way which is completely different from, from the reality to represent that reality. What I try to do is is beyond my own personal experience as a foreigner in England, to collect all the foreigners' experience, or not all, but most foreigners say from Georgia, from Japan, from Spain or from American, um, their experience in, in London and their way of reading a foreign culture, their way of understanding a foreign relationship between, you know, two lovers, to collect all this kind of information and collect their stories, and collect their pain and their joy. To, to glue or to, to cook one character. So that character can have all, this, all these problems, whether she's Chinese or American. Um, and I think this is the capacity um, I'm learning, and I think which make me a better writer, which means I need to be under my, my own experience. But on the other hand, I respect much of my own feeling. I trust my own experience more than other people's experience, I have to say, uh, because I know, I know how truthful to me, and I think what makes the book a genuine book is the author's genuine feeling, um, the the non-comparable. Uh, this is a strange word I invented. The one that the feeling you you are not copying from other person or copy from the media or a TV soap. Um, The genuine feeling, the first degree feeling, the anger, the joy and the love, the pain, you tasted in the first second, and that is genuine. And I think I need to find a way to put that in the book. So so I need to ask my heart from time to time during the research. And in a way, that's why I trust my own experience very much for a book.
0: Is there going to be a Chinese edition of a concise Chinese-English dictionary for lovers, and will you write it?
1: <laughs> there will be a Chinese uh, translation, which is an absurd idea. Um, There's some Chinese mainland Chinese publishers approaching me uh, last year, including Taiwan and Hong Kong publisher. They want to translate into Chinese. I think which is the most impossible way to to do. You know, it's it's really it's about broken English in London, a foreigner. Um, so that's really absurd, but they really insist on want to publish it in the Chinese version. Then I said, okay, you can only publish it if you do bilingual book. So at least, you know, I, my reputation as a writer wouldn't be ruined inside of China. Um, so they agree to have left page is English, my original text, and then the right page is um, Chinese text, which I think is very unfair for the translator. You know what I mean? But then again, that's really that's the only way to publish a Chinese version. I cannot see the other way.
0: Could you talk a little bit about getting this book published in, in English? Was it was it difficult to approach publishers and say I've haven't even been speaking English for five years? Here's my novel. Please buy it.
1: It's quite difficult, not only because such a weird book based on the broken English, but also as as a young author from a faraway country, you know, from China, it's a combination of the difficulty. Although I publish some books in, in China, in Beijing, but I do feel very difficult to publish in England. England is a very literature country. They, they have great authors, and they have their own system to publish their own authors. But English is English. You know, English language is a really dominated language, and there's difficulty for them to see a foreign author try to use their own language but in such an absurd way. Also, the author is rather young and unknown. Um, But really, I I did see all these difficulties but that wasn't my concern during the writing. What really bothers me during my writing was how to represent a foreigner in England and how how to shape, create that broken English. And what's the balance between a, 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 a very um, difficult language um, system in a book towards an understandable language? You know, I, I, I don't want to make a completely experimental book because I have I still do have ambitious want to make a storytelling narrative book uh, because I think it's it's important for me to to aim so in a way i thought experimental novel it can be easy easily done in this book but I, it's not enough i need narrative i need this love story i need this story i need two solid characters so that really bothers me and i thought if i sort out that then the book should be published and if they don't want it then i would say right um then you know there's not much wise people um in the publication. But um, they are well, they did accept after a while. Um, so I feel grateful grateful about it. But again I want to emphasize it's quite difficult for author to try to be experimental. Try to invent a new form. The risk is, is you're never gonna be published or you know, your 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 difficult experiment or your your work is gonna be somehow suppressed and I think that's very unfair for lots of young authors and good authors, what they try to do. Um, and I think, really, um, publishers should support that. And in my case, I did been supported, so I, I, I'm a lucky case.
0: You finished your first novel and published it in, in English. You're, are you working on a second novel in English, and are you finding it easier, and will you write again in broken English?
1: Um, certainly not again in broken English. I think that's that's once in a lifetime for author in my case because I, it will bore me, you know, it will really make me bored um, if I try the same thing. But um, I'm in the middle of a new novel, yeah, it will be in English. But at the same time, I, I'm constructing something in Chinese too. And I think it all depends on the, the, the location I base, you know, the landscape, where's the landscape, and what the character is going to be like. But of course, you know, I I am keep testing my own capacity and see where it can end.
0: We've been speaking with Sh- We've been speaking with Shua Lu Guo. Her new novel is a concise Chinese English dictionary for lovers. Thank you for joining me, Shua Lu.
1: Thank you. You're welcome.
0: You're listening to Rick Kleffel the Agony Column podcast. You can find additional reviews, interviews, print interviews and book commentary five days a week at trashiltron.com slash agony.